This is episode 64 of Utah in the Weeds. Welcome, everybody. My name is Chris Hollifield. And I'm Tim Pickett, a medical cannabis expert, apparently recognized, like we talked about last week, as City Weekly's uh, best of state. And you are. I don't well, care what you say, Tim. We're doing we're doing good things with, for, for a lot of people, so that's great. I'm excited about this conversation, though. Somebody we've been trying to get a hold of and nailed down, Greg Gardner from Cureleaf. Finally, somebody from Cureleaf representing on Utah in the Weeds. Because uh, this is a, you know this is a pharmacy we haven't really talked a whole lot about on the show. No, and we haven't yet talked to anybody from a national company, a big company. You know, there's a little more kind of red tape to get somebody like that on the show, making sure that Cureleaf's okay with it. But they have a good system down there, and it's been a they've been around since August of last year. They've been open. And this was a good conversation. Greg's a very interesting guy. He has an interesting story of how he got into cannabis. And you're going to have to listen to the end to uh, find out the answer. Because who would have guessed, hey, you know, I'm going to go to school to be a pharmacist. And then now he's a, a pharmacist at a cannabis pharmacy in Lehigh, of all places. That's right. right? But uh, what else is going on here with UtahMarijuana.org, Tim? What, what do you got going on? You know, we're going to start doing webinars every other week. And next week... I'm going to do a webinar next Wednesday night on how to get a medical card in Utah. I think we we talk a lot, Chris, you and I, to people who are already in the industry or patients who already know how to do this. And we still run into patients every day that just don't know that they qualify, don't know it's legal. And so we're going to go all the way back to the beginning and, and you, start you have again. to do it, man. You have yep. to do it every so often. So how can they find that at utahmarijuana.org? Utah and if you follow us on social, Instagram, all that will be right there. it'll all be right there. And I want to say this again. I'm going to say this on every episode. We are always looking for guests on the podcast. If you are a patient, whatever, if you're involved in the industry, we would love to bring you on the podcast, have you share your story, reach out to Tim or myself, and we'd love to set something up. Absolutely. So anyway, let's get into this conversation with Greg, though. This was a good one. Uh, I learned a lot in this episode, and hopefully you will, too. So Enjoy. Let, let's get into it. Let's talk about, um, I mean, what? where does your relationship with cannabis start? Where would you like it to start, I guess, for yeah, the conversation? Yeah. Take us back. Yeah, you got it. Um, so I kind of graduating high school, I kind of had a, you know, a passion to do something medical health related. I, you know, my mom was a, you know, nurse and then she taught a, an English and a medical English course in high school. So I, you know, I kind of had a passion there. I had a neighbor who was a pharmacist who introduced me to pharmacy. So I was like, you know, this is a pretty cool career. Um, so I got my pharmacy technician license when I graduated high school, I worked at a target for a number of years and I said, you know, this is something I think I'd like to pursue. So I, uh, you know, I decided to apply to pharmacy school programs. Uh, I did want to go out of state. I, as much as I love Utah, I was, you know, kind of ready for a change. Um, you grew up here. I did. Yep. Grew up, uh, LDS did, you know, mission work. Um, so I, you know, I went out of the country for a couple of years, came back and, you know, I said, Hey, I really enjoyed my time out of Utah, but I, again, I don't know that I want to settle down in Utah coming back. And so, yeah. So, uh, you know, met, uh, you know, met my wife, we got married just before pharmacy school started, but I, uh, yeah, I was like, you know what, let's, uh, you know, I want to look for somewhere different. So I looked at the university of Colorado, which is out in Denver. And, um, I got excited to go there because one, they have mountains, you know, I'm a big snowboarder. Um, you know, I like to do outdoor things. And so it seemed kind of like home 
but being in a different environment. So up to this point, I have, you know, no cannabis experience, you know, no, um, relation. Never used cannabis? Yeah, nothing. never. Not yeah. in your life? Nope. Okay. Zero. Yeah. His mom's listening. <laughs> I'm, yeah, kidding. Right. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. But you know, I had friends that did, you know, I had friends that were, you know, for regular users and, you know, I probably, um, probably had some prejudgments toward them, you know, right. cause that's kind of how I was raised, you know, to, um, so I, you know, I'm a big believer on you just do the best with the information that you have. So I didn't know anything about cannabis other than, you know, it was not allowed. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I, uh, applied to pharmacy school, got in at, uh, at Denver. And so when you move there, you know, go to Colorado for the first time and, you know, just drive, driving down the main highway, you know, you can, you smell it. You oh, know? sure. And you're like, okay. How long, I'm gonna, what, what, what was the date approximately? So 2015. So, yeah. so right after so, legalization, I mean, 2014, yeah. right. Was when they legalized when Col- it. Colorado yeah. legalized. Yeah. And I mean, so, yeah. We're, so yeah, now wow, it's, okay. Yep. So yeah, so we're, uh, it's a new so, world. Yeah. So we're going out to Denver and, uh, again, um, kind of, again, just blown away. Cause I'm like, Hey, you know, this is what I thought would be similar to Utah as far as, um, you know, outdoor activities, but the, you know, the diversity that's out in Denver was amazing. Uh, the amount of, you know, people, differences of opinion. So these were all awesome things. They made it very clear when we were, you know, applying to pharmacy school out there, they said, Hey, if you're coming out here to use, you know, weed, that's a no go. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Did they so, test you before you went to pharmacy school? Um, they, I don't think they did any like, uh, so, like so we testing? did it. Yeah. We actually did drug testing at least once a year. Um, in your school. Yeah. yeah in, in schooling. Interesting. Yeah. Wait, because yeah. I know for PA school, I had to take a drug test. What, to get in. Yeah. what a waste of yeah. money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we did annual drug tests. Um, but yeah, so that was very, you know, very, uh, upfront, you know, pharmacy school, like, that was off limits. No, no cannabis use while we were there. No big deal for you though. Remember? Yeah. Right? Again, you grew up yeah. here. You're not into it. Yeah. Oh yeah. In, so in the defense of the pharmacy though, mm-hmm. maybe it was maybe to check more for pill popping. It wasn't necessarily just to check for cannabis. Right? Yeah, I mean, they, it, there's other drugs. I mean, it's testing. For, yeah. I mean, okay. I'm not, I, I, I didn't want to paint so. a bad picture. I guess so. I didn't want to really, paint a bad picture. I mean, picture. this is only a year after legalization okay. in okay. Colorado. Okay. I mean, we're still, yeah. okay. you got to figure they're, they're like, uh, yeah, the rest of Colorado can do what they want. Mm-hmm. We're in, we're in real medicine. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We don't, we don't want this. Well, what's interesting what was actually pretty cool. And this is, you know, so, uh, I, so I didn't know if we were going to do anything, you know, cannabis related in, in coursework. And we did, um, our assistant Dean at the school, uh, she actually kind of hosted and did a, you know, about a week long program where we, we discuss cannabis and how it works in the endocannabinoid system. Um, you know, we looked, looked at different studies and, and so, so that was kind of my first introduction to cannabis as medicine rather than, you know, just people getting high or something, you know, that I, again, I had no experience with, but I was really interested. And so I, I kind of took it upon myself as I was doing rotations and, and, you know, working is, um, in Colorado, you know, it's recreational, no medical providers are, you know, part of it, but it was really cool to get to talk to patients and um, just say, Hey, you know, do you use cannabis? And if so, like, let's talk about what your medication regimen that you're also using, like how those might interact with each other or um, how you can, you know, get different effects or, you know, just things like that. So, um, so that was kind of my first introdu- introduction to talking to people about cannabis. 
at one of the pharmacies I was at, you know, they had just got a shipment of, you know, hemp product or CBD oils. And so I got to talk to patients about that. So I did a little bit of research on some of these products. And and this research um, was on your own, right? This yeah. wasn't like part of your work. You're kind of like, I'm just kind of curious well, here, what's it, going on. And the research was pretty mild. I mean, okay. it was just, you know, learning about, you know, CBD and, and sure. a little bit about how it affects the body and, um, you know, and again, the company was trying to sell the CBD product. And oh, so it was made yeah. more based on that, you know, specific product, but, um, but yeah, so I, you know, I did have an introduction to at least how cannabis works in the body and as a, um, you know, pharmaceutical, um, and what's interesting is our, when, when our class graduated, our associate Dean, she also left, she took a position out in uh, San Diego, but she, she kind of said something as she was leaving that, you know, kind of left an impression on me. And, you know, she talked about, um, you know, cause we focus so much on evidence-based medicine, what's the best studies for and kind of making that our path. And she said, you know, while we focus so much on evidence-based medicine, don't forget about, you know, patients, you know, medicinal based evidence, you know, so t- talking about patient experiences and those matter. And so that was kind of the first, you know, way or, you know, thing that I was told that was like, Hey, you know, it's not all about what's, you know, the scientific the studies si- and the, studies the dosing of mm-hmm. the, yeah. of the pill and the side right. effects and the, the right. you know, number needed to treat yes, these numbers, you know, these things we learn in school. Yep, absolutely. So, and that, that made an impression on me because again, that's what we had just talked about for four years during the program. And then I realized, you know, maybe there is more to medicine than just, you know, the, the best practice, the standard And so during my fourth year, we were kind of deciding if we wanted to stay in Colorado or, you know, what our next steps would be. And, you know, while I think I'm in my third year is when, you know, Prop 2 here in Utah um, had kind of passed and got some pushback. So I didn't really know what the status of cannabis in Utah would be. But we decided to come back home, you know, had some kids out there. And so we, uh, you know, I've still got family here. So you, you, like, you had kids in Colorado. Oh uh, yeah. My yeah, wife okay. and I, yeah, yeah we've yeah. got two little kids. So I've got, I think two and four now, sure. but yeah, so they were little and, uh, you know, we wanted to be, um, near family. Um, Utah is a good place to live as far as, you know, things that we enjoyed and we wanted to bring, you know, some of the things that we had learned in school and, and culture wise, some things that we could take from Colorado and see if we can bring that back here to Utah. So, um, so we did, so we came back to Utah and again, up to this point, I didn't really understand that a pharmacist was going to be kind of the one who ran a shop at a, you know, a medical cannabis pharmacy. And so, um, but yeah, as I was, you know, about to graduate, I started to see, you know, different job postings for cannabis pharmacists. And, you know, that really, really like got me thinking that, you know, I, I love talking to patients about cannabis and, and I had no idea, again, this was going to be a pharmacist opportunity for me. So, um, you know, so I applied, you know, I started looking at different job postings and I kind of made that like my goal. Um, I, again, I had done retail pharmacy for, you know, about the last eight years or so. Okay. But yeah, so, uh, but I wanted to do something different. I, you know, I didn't love working for the chains. I didn't love working for CVS now, you know, that took over Target. I, I didn't love that. I was interested, you know, in like independent pharmacies, compounding medicines, you know, being able to basically take a subset of popular or population that, you know, doesn't have a one size fits all medicine and be able to make something unique for them. Um, so that was always kind of a passion of mine and, and cannabis kind of fits, fits that bill, you know, having a medicine that's, that's different, but people are excited about people want to take, people are looking for something different. And so, um, but yeah, so that was kind of my introduction on, you know, getting into the cannabis industry here in Utah. Um, thrilled that, you know, that they wanted pharmacists to be involved because that was something that I could use, you know, some of my resources and education on and, and help patients out. Now, have you been with Cure Relief since the beginning? 
Yes. So, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah no, you were it, you were hired before they even opened, right? Correct. So, uh, so they um, they opened their first. I think their first week of like official doors open to patients was the last week of August. They had an official grand opening the second week of October. So I got hired on I think like the second week of August. Uh, I was originally hired on as a part time pharmacist. You know, twenty to thirty hours a week. And so I was splitting that time as well as working at another independent pharmacy doing, you know, kind of part-time at both. But I really started to really feel like I was exceeding at the cannabis stuff. You know, I, I love talking to patients. I love to get their experiences and what was working for them, what wasn't working for them. Um, and really just like seeing, again, seeing a patient come in and be excited about their medication was new. You know, people don't come in and, and buy their <laughs> blood pressure medicine and be no, like, yes, I'm so excited this about so this. so awesome. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. Give me metformin. Yes. That's going to make me feel so much better. Yes. Oh, there's some medication. Yeah, plus you get a lot of uh, a lot more opportunity to um, to talk to patients and have conversations with patients. Yeah. Whereas in the retail pharmacy, it's a very square conversation. Yeah. Oh. Right? Very transactional. I'll, uh, I'll always remember a conversation I had with a patient, diabetic patient new to their, uh, you know, their insulin prescription that they were going to use. And uh, I spent probably 15 minutes cause I had just done a course on it in school. I was all pumped up, excited to go. So I, you know, spent 15 minutes with them talking about how to use insulin, how to do their injections and all that. And then, uh, as soon as they left, patient was excited and, uh, my, you know, boss comes over. He's like, you can't talk, take that long with the patient too long. You know, I was like, what do you mean? I just, I, I, I hear that all the time about <laughs> yeah. the doctor. I mean, you probably yep. see that yourself. Yeah. When, oh yeah. You know, I mean, well, and in, in medicine, you're paid by a lot of times you're paid by the RVUs, revenue value units, right? which is, you know, the faster you go, the more of those you can accumulate. Yeah. And well, so the better off it is And pharmacy, you know, I mean, you've got a lot of people to see a lot of. A lot of transactions to go yeah. through. Is that like Cureleaf? What is Cureleaf? Um, you know, what is their view on on this whole thing? They're they're a huge multi-state company, international now. Correct. Right. Yeah. They bought that huge uh European cannabis company. Correct. <gasps> yeah. So they're yeah, they're gonna be uh yeah, global, which is pretty cool. I've actually like thought, you know, if if Utah doesn't work out, I was like Find me a way to, you know, like get over into Spain or get into uh, yeah. like Israel or, you know, like something like, like that might be pretty cool. But um, yeah, so I I love, like I said, I love working for smaller businesses, independent. And so Cureleaf didn't necessarily fit the bill as far as a small company, but they did fit the, you know, kind of the, the bill as far as, you know, I'm still helping patients in a way that's unique. And they've been very receptive because every state's individual, every state has their own, you know, legal requirements for being open. And so Cureleaf is very amendable to, you know, whatever the state requirements are, they will, you know, kind of work around those. And, and so we've had a lot of leeway since being open. You know, when we were first started, we had, I think, maybe four or five agents and uh, again, the head pharmacist and three of uh, three part-time pharmacists. And it's grown tremendously. So one thing that that we've done down at Cureleaf is um, we don't do appointment based um, for new patients that come in. We do all walk in. And so we have to kind of staff accordingly. Um, sometimes we'll have, you know, no new patients coming in um, background. You know, all new patients coming in do, you know, have to have kind of a first initial consult with a pharmacist. You know, so sometimes we'll have no new patients come in for a couple hours and, you know, pharmacists, we, we still check off orders, make sure they're compliant with, with the provider's recommendations. We check them every single time, but you know, if five new patients show up at once, we want to be staffed, you know, to, to not have to turn anybody away. Where so. is, where is Cure Relief? I mean, 
Is it right off of I-15 there in Lehigh or where's I think it's right. Located? Yeah, it's right off there in the old, it's in the old Del Taco. <laughs> right? yep. oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I know where yep. that is. Okay. I just, it's one of the, um, the few pharmacies in Utah. Well, I guess I haven't been to any of the ones down South yet, but mm-hmm. uh, that I haven't visited you guys. I need to come visit. Yeah. No, yeah. You guys ought to come by. Yeah. It's um, a pretty sweet setup. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. Um, yeah. So it's not a old... huge, not a huge pharmacy, mm-hmm. right? How many people do you guys see down there? per day. I mean, you seeing a couple hundred people a day? Usually we will average between, I don't know, 170 and 210 patients a day, which, no you know, yeah. So it's pretty good foot traffic. So, um, you know, yeah. You and f- it usually gets busier as the you know, day goes on getting, and as know. the week goes on, it seems like <laughs> Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're busier, oh, which yeah. was interesting to me to, to find. I mean, that's, it would make sense in, in a recreational state, but mm-hmm. n- not necessarily in a medical state, but still there's a mix of what we would call adult use, adult medical use, right? Yeah. It's easier to use that type of adult medicine on the weekend. Right. I would say. Right. I'd, I'd rather use that than, you know, get like trashed and wake up with a bad oh, hangover for sure. or something, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, so talk to me a little bit about the, I'm just really curious about this, how you grow up in Utah, you go on a mission. Where did you go by the way? Guatemala. Oh, cool. Okay. So you go to Guatemala you come home, you go to pharmacy school, you make it all the way through there. And then you, you become an expert on cannabis. Like, what's that like for your family? What, how do you thread that needle? Your kids are a little too young mm-hmm. to really understand that yet. Yeah. But your wife's not. Yeah. Uh, actually my wife, uh, my wife loves it. She's uh she's not a user of, of cannabis, but she, is a pretty big advocate for just helping people in. Um, so she's a mental health professional. She works in school psychology. And so I actually get to talk to her about, um, you know, one of the qualifying conditions in Utah is autism, you know? So I, so she asked me, she's like, well, how is this working for your patients who have autism? And, you know, that's one of my favorite conversations to have is, you know, any time a patient with autism comes in, just take a minute to talk with them and say, Hey, how is this working for you? Why is it working for you? And so, and then I, you know, get to talk with her. So she, she loves it. She loves that, uh, you know, that we're supporting, you know, this industry, my parents, you know, that live here nearby, it was a different conversation at first, you know, they still always are, you know, prodding saying, Hey, you know, keep your foot in, you know, regular pharmacy too. But, uh, it kind of took, you know, so that, that neighbor that we had, that was, uh, you know, that was a pharmacist. Careful um, with that communications (laughs) degree over there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so that it kind of took, uh, you know, with my parents, it was, you know, they were excited that I had a job. They were really excited to see me kind of thriving. But again, with like a little asterisk on it, but it kind of took them, you know, having their neighbor who's, you know, religious leader and the pharmacist, you know, um, when they told him, you know, and he's like, oh no, like he's like, that's going to be an awesome job for him. They're like, okay, it's an awesome job for you. Right. (laughs) You know? Yep. No. Okay. We're on board. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, So that's kind of been how that conversation's gone, but yeah, no, it's, you know, generally have pretty good support from everybody. And initially, you know, I, not knowing, you know, much about cannabis. I, uh, you know, had a little bit of like a tendency to not, you know, not sure how people would react when I told them that I'm a cannabis pharmacist. Um, that has completely changed. I, I tell everybody that I can, that, uh, that this is my gig and, and that I love it. And, um, more often than not, when you tell somebody that you're like, Hey, I work with cannabis, it all, I, you know, when you think is normally like, Oh, shame on you really turns out to be like, Oh, like, tell me more. Yeah. This is really yeah. cool. Any, any pharmacist that I've talked to, they're always like a little yeah, bit of almost like a jealousy. Like, yeah, all the people are, like you said, all the people are happy. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, 
you just don't have very many jobs where people come in and they get happier. And it's like 99 out of a hundred are happier when they leave right. than when they showed up. That's a, that's a good deal. Yeah. yeah I, no, it's great. I have a question on the pharmacy part. So we were talking about cure relief and, and even how they expanded worldwide now and they're all over. One thing I hear from people is here in Utah is they give the whole pharmacist thing. Oh, that's such a waste to have in the, in the, in the, you know, in our, in the dispensaries and this and that. But I mean, does Cure Relief use as pharmacists in all their locations, right? Um, not out of state. Nope. No, oh, no. I thought they, I thought but they, they do. In they I do in some. I know I've talked to um, Stuart Wilcox, their business development, mm-hmm. you know, VP, oh. and they, they like that model. Yeah. For some reason, um, I thought they, I because guess, they yeah. do, they do kind of like the medical they like that medical vibe, mm-hmm. right? They believe in that. But they're out of where? Where are they out of? I think Georgia, uh, up north. So I think they're out of. Um, this is gonna sound bad, Maryland, but I I gotta I gotta double check that one. But yeah, they're yeah. northeast coast. We'll say that. We'll say that. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> you got it. But they do. I think they do like that medical model. But they yeah. only have the one pharmacy here, and they didn't get a grow license. Correct. But they're so knowledgeable. Every interaction that I've had with anybody with CureLeaf, they've ju- they're just so knowledgeable about the the national system. I mean, they just have their system dialed. Mm-hmm. They're not like they're not struggling to open the pharmacy, you know, on time. They're not struggling for the money to to make things happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, they just seem like they've got their shit together. <laughs> uh, I was, yeah, I mean, I think they do a, a pretty good job. I, uh, yeah, I know that they've got pharmacists in at least five states out of the 20 that they're in or so, you know, cause I kind of have a communication with all of them. We, you know, have a little, you know, LinkedIn group or something that we'll, you know, get on and chat periodically and yeah, no, it's, as far as a company to work for, they've, they've been good. Um, yeah. And they, uh, yeah, they're responsive to, you know, questions They're Like you said, they have, you know, as far as like finances and stuff go, that doesn't usually seem to be a concern. And so we can, when products available to get, um, you know, they can usually get it in. Just cause to me, it seems like a good idea to have a pharmacist uh, available at that, at that, the pharmacies in, mm. in my opinion, cause like it's I've been made to other, more sense to me too, yeah. after, you know, originally not being so sure that the pharmacist was a good idea, but it's. Like it really is helpful oh, having I, somebody I, there on dude, the I'll medical ask questions side all the time, man. Yeah, who knows about the interaction b- between medications and what else the patient is taking, mm-hmm. and can further that discussion because a lot of times we don't have. I mean, we spend a a good amount of time with our patients, but we don't get into all of their medication list all of the time. We're talking about there's so much to learn, right? right. We're just talking about dosing how to feel comfortable experimenting with it, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you're doing a lot of too. Sure. But talk to us about that consultation. Like what does that normally look like when a patient comes in? Yeah. So um, there's usually a subset of questions that we'll ask as a you know new patient comes in. The nice thing is that we do, we kind of do a triage of like a wait list. So when they first check in, we know if they're a new patient coming in. So um, again, all patients will pull up the, on the EVS, we'll pull up to see um, if they've purchased elsewhere or if they're again, completely new to the program. And then we'll look, you know, for any provider notes, you know, uploaded medication lists, um, you know, any, any, basically whatever information we can do find. Do people on the actually upload 
medication-less? Um, some providers do. Um, it, it, I think the law or the, the rules changed a little bit where if they didn't put any recommendation, you know, drop down menu mm-hmm. things, they had to upload a medication list. And so we used to see that more, um, but they took that requirement away. So now we're, a lot of times we're just seeing, uh, you know, drop down menu, um, you know, and, and, uh, what we can sell or how much would be too much to purchase, you know, are there a lot of patients that come in with restrictions on purchasing? Uh, it's, it's kind of a double sorted or double, yeah, double sided question. Um, yes. In the fact that, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's intentionally restricted on how much you can purchase, which, you know, and, and usually that's very clear. So when we, when we see in the notes that says, you know, patient, you know, where the, the law says you can get four ounces of flour, your provider asks that you can, you know, stay under one ounce of flour. So we'll, we'll abide by that. The, the tricky one is when, providers that don't have as much experience, you know, with the EVS system, they'll choose a drop down menu and put nothing else. They'll put no information, um, no, you know, anything that says, you know, what forms the patient can get, they're restricted to that one item. And a lot of times that's unintentional from the providers. end. so that's where a lot of our phone calls to providers, um, will be, you know, just, Hey, you know, this is kind of what the state has asked us, how they ask us to interpret these recommendations. Right. Cause you're stuck. Mm-hmm. I mean, for listeners, when, when I go into the EVS system to make a recommendation for a patient, mm-hmm. you fill out the, you know, last four of the social, the name, that sort of stuff. And you hit, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to recommend this patient be able to use cannabis you then have to go to a separate page mm-hmm. and make a recommendation. A dosing recommendation is what they call it. The truth is it's more of a purchasing mm-hmm. limit than a dosing recommendation for the most part. Yeah. But the top, the top form field is all of the different seven types of delivery methods. And you can only choose one mm-hmm. in that form. So, Correct. you know, you're, you're, you're limited. And if you didn't know what you were doing, which none of us did in the beginning, yeah. right? You just it's gotten a lot you better. pick one, you pick one. Well, shoot, I've, I'm going to pick a raw cannabis flower. And then there's a text box and you've got to pick, you've got to type in what you want. And the next text box is either milligrams or grams. So, I mean, we have QMPs that we train and they have no idea, right? Well, is it, it's 28 grams per ounce. Do I write 2,800 milligrams? Well, no, because the flower is only 20%, but then they, and that's not, that's making a simple thing complicated. Right. Right. Like, like we all three understand, well, it's 28 grams per ounce. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Just put 28 grams as needed, 30 days, write some notes. Mm -hmm. But to get to the point where you learned that. It, t- it takes a long time. Yeah. I mean, we're what I think 10 months in, you know, and it's, it's finally seeming like, you know, it's getting easier and easier and things look more and more, you know, accurate. but how many new patients a day do you see that have incorrect dosing? Most of the time, rarely now. Okay. Rarely. Yeah. Most of the time it's rare. Um, usually when, uh, we'll, you know, we'll look and see who the QMP is. And if it's not a name we recognize, that's kind of the first flag. It's like, okay, let's go, you know, do a little bit more. What do you do with that, with those QMPs that don't, that don't understand, or they're new? Do you just immediately, you kind of have a protocol. Okay. We've, here's what we've got to do. Um, so first we'll, we'll communicate with the patient. We'll say, Hey, you know, based on how your, you know, QMP put in your recommendation, it would restrict you to this kind of purchase. Tell me more about your conversation with the QMP. Was this intentional or was it potentially unintentional? Uh, if if the patient's like, Oh no, my QMP said just to get whatever, you know, we'll call over to the QMP, let them know, 
And usually, well, I'll just invite them to come to the store so they can kind of see the process. Uh, and at that time, I, you know, I would do some education if they're, you know, if they don't want to come in or, you know, I, if they just want to know on the phone, I'll usually let them know on the phone as well. But um, here, here's what to put in the, okay. Yeah, yeah. Here's what to put. Yep. Pretty much. Put so. in the notes per pharmacist recommendations. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's an interesting thing. All of this is, it's a little frustrating because it, it's all just like technicalities and it'll go away at some point. The state's talked about revamping the EVS system. So there's just like three check boxes. Like I do want to restrict my patient to this forms. Um, I don't want to restrict my patient to these forms or something, you know, so that's going to happen at some point soon, but we'll see. I'm curious if there are any qualifying conditions that you think should be a qualifying condition in Utah. Hmm. You know, I, I, especially as you've gotten more and more familiar with, with cannabis. It's, it's tough. We, we do have a lot of patients. Um, I mean, yeah, we have a whole spectrum of patients, most commonly qualifying with chronic pain. Um, but because cannabis is so multifaceted, it touches on so many areas you know, patients are using it for sleep or sure. anxiety or depression or so these are qualifying conditions that I think are treatable with cannabis and patients are definitely using for the depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. So they're using cannabis for those conditions. I would say pretty successfully. Um, they're not qualifying conditions because they lack scientific journals and evidence to make them qualifying conditions as you know, as you as think far so as though? The, well, uh, I mean, you think you think only the fourteen qualifying conditions in Utah are the have only, the, are the, have only the evidence? Yeah, yeah. Are the only ones I mean, with the evidence. I mean, <laughs> it I mean, glaucoma, right? Glaucoma is not right. a qualifying condition. Or in Utah. an anxiety is a qualifying condition in other states, yeah. but it's not yeah. one here. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'm just curious, your yeah. personal, if there was anything that you saw that you were like, "Gosh, why isn't this right?" Qualifying like, condition? do people come in with pain and then they say, "Look, I really just want to sleep better." Yeah. Right. Yeah. So why wouldn't sleep be a qualifying condition? Yeah. Uh, I mean, legislators, lawmakers, you know, they, they, I think there's my understanding, there's a board of, of, you know, medical providers um, and they'll look at whatever they believe is the best evidence and kind of go from there. Um, So we've talked to some of the different, you know, we're kind of part of a coalition, cannabis coalition and talked, you know, with like Blake from Zion, you know, who's, who's great. Basically just, you know, how that process goes with lawmakers and legislators. And, and it almost feels like some of them are trying to take away some of the conditions that they don't believe, you know, are, are, yeah, yeah, there's, GTSD, there's, I think there's actually more discussion on taking things away than there is yeah. appetite for new conditions. Correct. Yeah. That's what it feels like, Wait, which, which is a bummer, you know, because I know you're, you've so been said PTSD, Tim, but I didn't know there were, yeah, others. I mean, PTSD, um, the Alzheimer's one I think comes up now and then. Oh gosh. Just right. I mean, Alzheimer's people have it. Right. You know I think I mean? Chances are that, it's the last the terminal of- illness, these rare conditions, um, HIV, these are things where, boy, if you have those diagnoses, just you could do what you want. Let them live a better quality life. <laughs> right. Like that's, that's my opinion. I do like that it's medical mm-hmm. because I, and again, to the pharmacist point, you know, having you there to guide people on what to, what to buy, what to use, how to use it. I just think people have such a better experience when they, when they get better education than, Hey, I think this might help. I looked up a little bit online. I run down to the dispensary and dinosaur, I get something Mm -hmm. and I go home and try it. That I think there's evidence to say that doesn't work as well as the system we have now. Everybody's going to disagree. There's going to be a bunch of people that disagree with me on this, Chris, but yeah. Um, Well, it's important to recognize, you know, everybody that has their medical card in Utah is a medical patient. 
people's experiences getting that medical, you know, to the medical card, you know, some patients have been recreationally using for a long time. Um, and you know, and now are finding, you know, a qualifying condition to fit the bill. Uh, a lot of patients are, you know, brand new to cannabis. And so, um, and that's, that was kind of my takeaway again from school is they, you know, they said, they're like, we believe that it would be awesome if there's a pharmacist dispensing cannabis everywhere, because, you know, you get to, even for recreational patients, you get to talk about, okay, um, let's just make sure it's safe or let's find, you know, is there a better way you can be using this or a safer way or, you know, whatever that could be. Um, but you know, we kind of have that background on, you just, you know, providing quick education to patients, um, trying to take things that are sometimes hard to understand and making them easy to, you know, to understand. What do you think one of the things you have adjusted your opinion is because you've been doing this 10 months, Mm-hmm. Right. And I know in my experience with patients, you know, my, my education has changed a little bit. It's morphed into something different. I talk about dosing a little bit different. I talk about consumption a little different, you know, overall use, how much people are using. Mm-hmm. My views have kind of evolved a little bit, even in the short time that we've been doing it. Is that, yeah. How's that happened for you? What I'm, what I've been most impressed with and happy with is that again, we're, we're staffed with, I think we usually have three pharmacists on staff at all times. Um, that gives us the ability to talk to returning patients, you know, to still continue education on each visit. Um, one thing that I've kind of noticed is in cannabis world, you know, patients at the regular pharmacy, they'll come in once a month, maybe twice a month if their stuff isn't on schedule. Cannabis patients come in all the time. They, you know, they'll come in weekly, you know, every few days. Some patients, you know, buy their whole allotment up front. But how I kind of started my approach to cannabis education is I would kind of, without trying to overload patients, I would give them a whole bunch of information up front and uh, say, you know, I know it's a lot of information. Try to take some notes and let us know how you're doing. Um, my approach now is a little bit more, let's, let's introduce you to something, find you something that's safe, you know, take notes on how you use it, but come back, you know, and, and it, cause you're going to come back next week. Let's follow up. Let's see how it's working for you. Let's, um, you know, so, so I try to make it more of a journey with patients rather than kind of, you know, this is the one time you're going to meet with me. So here's everything you need to know. What are some of the, what products like are people using a lot of that, you know, that you see down in, in Lehigh at your location? Mm-hmm. I mean, are people getting a lot of you know, raw flour, are they getting a lot of carts, concentrate? What, what, yeah. do, you guys, or what do you guys have? I mean, different down there, anything? Or? Um, so, so cure leaf, um, you know, the slight cartridges that have, so vape cartridges, um, is essentially a cure leaf product. Yeah. Um, so we do have some things that are made in lab that are, you know, cure leaf branded things that we try to still get out to, to other places, but there's kind of two patients that we'll see, um, patients that use the raw flour, um, and they'll vape that, um, They'll, or they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll, vape, they'll that. vape that as you put air quotes <laughs> yeah, right yeah. in there. Some, mm-hmm. we try to get people to vape it. Right. Yeah. There's gotta be an understanding of the culture, you know, where people are coming from and how Utah's legalized it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we try to be understanding and talk to them openly about, you know, that, but, uh, but yeah, so mo- the patients that like flower products tend to stick mostly with flower products. Sometimes they'll dabble with, you know, like an edible product sure. or something. Um, and then there's patients who basically stay away completely from flour, whether that's for, you know, smell purposes or, um, you know, discretion, um, whatever it may be. But yeah, so, you know, most commonly, you know, for patients, usually vape cartridges and, uh, you know, the gelatinous, sure. the gummies. So I was just curious if there was, you know, 
more of uh, more of carts or more of this. Yeah, more that, you know, more non-flower in in Utah County or well, at the point of the mountain. Because my my brother yeah. has a vape shop in Pleasant Grove. Oh, cool! And he's just said, you know, how popular vaping is in Utah County, just because yeah. people don't like that cigarette smell, right? So yeah. I just was curious. Yeah, similarities there with 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 that weed smell really, you know? Yeah. yeah uh, you think you sell more vape carts and, and we do. concentrates than you do flour. We do. In fact, I just looked at a, a percentage breakdown of all of our products this morning. So yeah, it was like 40 something percent, um, edibles, 20, like 5%, uh, vape carts, 20% flour. I think that's partly in due just because there's still, you know, even after a year or, you know, a year plus, there still always seems to be a shortage of flour products. Do you run out of flour still? Oh yeah. Wow. See, and that goes back to you were mentioning how uh, cannabis patients, you know, compared to regular pharmacy patients, they, you know, some come in quite often and some, you know, less often, so on and so forth. But I find I've had to go in more often because of availability. Right. Mm-hmm. And in, in an being ideal able world, to only would, being able to purchase like an eighth at a yeah, time, right? That, in an ideal world, I would rather go in less often. I would right. rather go in, okay. say, once a month, but. I found because of availability, I have to go in more often. Understand. Um, yeah, as of, you know, as of recording today, our company doesn't have a purchase restriction policy. And so it's, you know, as long as you're within your QMP's um, recommendation, uh, you can buy as much flower product as you want. I know that's changed. As long as it's most, available. Correct. Right. Um, so do you think that, so that's different than some of the pharmacies. I so think, some yeah, of the pharmacies, most. you can only buy a quarter or two eighths. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they were down to one eighth. I remember when Dragonfly was just letting people have an eighth of flour and that was it. That's all you could buy. Um, but do you think that that, that lack of a restriction is, it's good for patients in some ways, mm-hmm. but it also helps you run out of flour a little bit yeah. sooner than some of the other dispensaries. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it, it is a challenge because, you know, we'll look at, you know, what menu and availability at kind of all the other shops and, um, and you know, and it does seem like we'll get a lot of things in and then it lasts a week, you know, mm. and so it's great for the patients that, that happen to come by that week or uh, as soon as something's available, we'll get like, you know, 30 phone calls like, oh, it's not, you know, is this available? I'm on my way, you mm-hmm. know. Um, do you do drive through? Uh, we don't, we, we don't do drive through yet. Um, we have Del Taco's drive through <laughs> ready to go, but, uh, no, we're, there was actually a Lehigh ordinance when we opened up. Um, I think there was a lot of fear or something. So drive through is one of the things that they excluded from our uh, operating plan. Oh, okay. And we've met with some of the, the Lehigh officials and they're yeah much more, you know, Oh, you know, they're like, you didn't oh. bring hell to <laughs> Lehigh, you know, to Utah yes. County. Um, so yeah, so they, uh, so that's something that's probably coming. Um, if it's going to be soon, probably, you know, maybe a couple months, you know, would be my guess. Um, we have like online orders that patients can, you know, submit their orders online and, uh, come, you know, come down. Um, we have a register that's set up specifically for that so they can come right in and, you know, if there's a line, they They can kind of skip the line and and use, do, do you, you take hyper? Uh, we don't. Yeah, so right it's now cash, it's cash right only. now it's cash only. Yeah. Okay. And for all listeners, um, there's no ATM on site. And so, ah, uh, so where do you send them? Maverick. That's uh, oh, next really? door. Yeah. But yep. the guy, the guy who owns that ATM, he knows. Oh, he, oh yeah. He, he's like, oh, I'll put every cash time we in go into, every time. every time we go to Maverick, they're like, why, uh, why do we have so many people I use in our ATM now? Got it. Yeah. So, so any plans to get an ATM? Uh, not currently that I, yeah, that we've been informed with There's They've had multiple attempts at getting debit card readers working mm-hmm. with some of the local banks. So that's, I think that's going to be priority still, uh, right. is finding a way for people to use their card that they would use at an ATM just to use it on site. Right. 
Where do you see yourself going like in the cannabis industry? I mean, would you like to just stay a pharmacist? Would you like to get into any other aspects of the industry or are you okay yeah. with where you're at? Um, one, I love where I'm at. Um, I've again, clearly been supportive of, you know, kind of molding the position for kind of whatever's needs are. Um, so I've loved, you know, staffing pharmacists. I've loved being part of, you know, making sure inventories are good and, um, building operating plans as far as, you know, with the cannabis industry, it's, it's hard to say, you know, cause in, in a lot of other States, you know, pharmacists, it's not a role. And so, you know, for pursuing further, you know, type career, it's hard to say what, you know, a pharmacist opportunity would be. Um, but I love that it's here in Utah and I, I hope that it's here to stay at least, um, you know, while Utah's remains medical, you know, that leads me to, uh, you know, we get a lot of people listening that want jobs at the industry. You know, I hear this mm -hmm. every time I visit pharmacies, you know, are you hiring? Are you doing this? Are you guys hiring on anything? Any, you know, any kind of just bud tenders or, yeah. or um, whatever. So we currently have, I think one like full-time position that's sure. looking to be filled. Okay. Um, but because again, movement within the company. So we, we you know, we've got a new store manager, um, is going to open up an assistant manager position. If we hire internally, that'll open up a full-time position. You know, we move up. So there's uh, always, stuff, yeah, there's, man. there's always things. So we, I think we usually take resumes. We'll usually, you know, have people apply online cause sure. they do, they put the postings on like indeed and, um, glass door some of the, but, but yeah, we do, uh, we do hire pretty frequently. So I'm just curious. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk to him about, Tim? Anything else you want to ask him why we got him? I mean, why we got the mics are hot. Anything you want to talk about, man? Greg, anything? What's new? your favorite yeah. strain? Yeah. Have you, so have yeah. you used cannabis yeah, no, let's, yet? Yeah, have let's you talk used about, cannabis? So I, yeah, I'm a medical card holder okay. here in Utah. Um, so yeah, I went from, you know, having no experience with cannabis other than learning about it in school. I didn't have plans necessarily to become a card holder because, again, I just assumed by using cannabis I, I would be high, you know? Uh, <laughs> and uh, And so... When, you know, we opened and I started talking to patients about their personal experience and, Hey, wait a minute. Like I get migraines all the time. Or, uh, you know, after I play basketball, like my foot's, you know, in pain for like multiple days afterwards, like maybe I can find something for that. Um, so yeah, so I did, I got my card. Um, I've tried a little bit, like I've tried a couple of the vape cartridges, sure. I, you know, vape flower, maybe a few times, um, edibles a couple of times. So I use it maybe, you know, uh, once or twice a week or something like that. And but. you find it to help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I still have yet to, you know, really find how, um, you know, personally for like, if I can catch a migraine in the moment, you know, and this is a lot of our education is, you know, what's going to work fast and, you know, what's going to be helpful for you in that moment. Or if you're looking for uh, you know, something quick to work, or if you're looking for something, you know, to like for chronic pain lasting you throughout the day. Um, that's you how I tried the creams for like, if you get, I Absolutely. get big knots in my neck, man, mm -hmm. just for like migraine type stuff with that. Yeah. Know, stress knots. Um, I usually use the cream for, you know, again, topical after okay. playing basketball. Um, and yeah, you know, putting on the neck for like migraines and sure, stuff. Yeah. Um, I think it helps. Yeah. Know. I find it helps too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, so it's, it's been all good experiences. You know, I, that's, you know, I think, like I said earlier, just, you know, doing the best with the information that you have learning, you know, about the safety of this medication and, and why it's, you know, why it's still classified as a schedule one, um, you know, basically no medical use and seeing how much it's helping people and how safe really, you know, even more so than a lot of pharmaceuticals, um, has definitely helped change my perspective on it. I would say being, you know, having worked in the store and being like, okay, like here's all of these things that patients love. And like, it definitely intrigued me, you know, to get my card more than had I just, you know, sure. been meeting with a doctor. who. You feel it. like that's helped you, that experience of, of use has helped you explain it better to patients or yeah. 
you can kind of learn it. You can do both. Do you think it's, it's like, no, you have to have a relationship with cannabis in order to be a pharmacist or you could, you know, not be a, not be a consumer of cannabis and still give good education. I I don't know. What's your opinion? about Um, I part, you know, part of the reason I got my card was because I, you know, for so many patients, it is experience-based. Um, so that's, you know, part of, again, why I was like, Hey, you know, I fit, you know, these criteria. So it, that's yeah. what kind of piqued my interest. Um, I don't believe that you have to use the product similar to any other medication, you know, pharmacists, we can do a whole bunch of education on stuff that we've never tried before. Probably most things we've never tried before. And I make sure that, you know, when we hire staff, that's very clear to them that by no means do you need to be a medical patient in order to provide, you know, good education. Um, so I make that very clear up front. Yeah. I think personally, I think it's been beneficial because I can speak a little bit to, um, you know, how fast something will work and, and what that will feel like. Or if, you know, if you do something that's too much or, you know, what you can kind of do to help, you know, alleviate some of those things. And so that's kind of our ongoing communication with patients are just, you know, helping things like that. Hmm. Really, really cool. It's cool to hear stories about super conservative LDS people who get introduced to the cannabis space, get involved in it. It helps legitimize it as medicine. It helps everybody else that's around you and around the people that you talk to legitimize it. It's a big deal in Utah, especially to have you your type of person mm-hmm. involved in this. I, I hope so. And I th- love that. Yeah. And that's, and that's really like why we came back. You know, I feel like, you know, being in Colorado, um, we learned a lot of things and I was like, you know what I want to, if there's anything I can bring back home, like, I think that's awesome. We, we mm-hmm. want to make, you know, Utah and our community is as great as we can. And so whatever we can help provide, you know, we do so. so. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you know your address off the top of your head? Kurt Cure Leaf's address? Yeah, so uh, we're thirty six thirty three North Thanksgiving Way in Lehigh, um, right off that first Lehigh exit, right? Yep. So uh, yeah, if you're coming from Salt Lake County, it's going to be the first um, Lehigh exit on your right hand side. You get off the exit, it's going to put you right at the Maverick. That's you know where you'll want to stop to get your cash. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, do you know that with the website? Because if you go to CureLeaf.com, that probably takes you to the main one. I guess. Then what would you select Utah to see the menu and everything? And yeah. Um, so I usually just Google, you know, okay, search like it. Cure okay. Leafly yeah. High. Okay. Um, it usually works well and it usually links you to um, our menu. Uh, I have had lots, of, well, I've had some experiences where somebody's like, hey, I'm here for my online stuff. I'm like, uh, you know, we didn't, and, I was, and they're buying a whole bunch of stuff we don't have. So yeah, they definitely put their menu, you know, their order in like Pennsylvania or something. Oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, they're like, well, I'm yeah. here for my online. Yeah. Uh, you're not in the right state. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, do double check. Um, most of the time it's, it works pretty well, but sometimes it does link you randomly to like an yeah. out of state place. So very mm-hmm. cool. Well, thanks for doing the podcast with us, man. Yeah. Thank thanks you so much. Yeah, no, it's, it's been, uh, it's been, been awesome to have you on the show and find out about Cure Relief, your products. And, and like Tim says, kind of, you know, you, your story is a little different than some, but even though it's, it's kind of the story of a lot of people we're bringing through here these days, it really, it really is. seems like it's so. mm-hmm. otherwise uh, for people listening, you can subscribe to the podcast in any podcast app that you listen to podcasts in and uh, utahmarijuana.org is the hub. That's the main website for, for everything. So head on over there and check everything out. And yeah. If, if you have any questions for Chris or I don't hesitate to reach out. We are involved in the community now up at WBs and these weed socials. Uh, we're going to events and recording. So stay tuned. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody stay safe out there.